0: You're listening to Slice of Cheese with Jenny Linford on Food FM. Enhance your cheese board with Peter's Yard Sourdough Crackers this Christmas. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon, petersyard.com and specialist food retailers. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.
1: Hello. Welcome to A Slice of Cheese – the Food FM radio series that celebrates the world of cheese. I'm Jenny Linford, a food writer and cheese enthusiast, the author of Great British Cheeses. Cheese is a delicious and fascinating food, and we're setting out to explore this remarkable food and share the stories of the people who make, sell and love it. This week on A Slice of Cheese, I talked to cheesemaker Juliana Sedley of The Old Dairy, who's creating new cheeses using Jersey milk. Cheese advocate Sam Wilkin about two exciting cheese and cider projects he's involved in. And also to Edward Hancock, founder of Cheese Geek, the online cheese shop which caught the imagination of the Dragon's Den investors.
0: Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. Enhance your cheese board with Peter's Yard Sourdough Crackers this Christmas. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon, Petersyard.com and specialist food retailers.
1: This week on A Slice of Cheese, very happy to have with me today a cheesemaker, Juliana Sedley from The Old Cheese Room. Good morning Juliana. Oh good morning Jenny. Juliana, for this episode of A Slice of Cheese we're sort of looking at, at newness and innovation in the British cheese and the, the creativity that I see there and I very much wanted to talk to a cheesemaker for this and I was fascinated by your story. You've, you've had an a journey, an interesting journey to take you to a beautiful bit of Britain. (laughs) So you're originally from Hungary and from a farming background, is that right?
2: Yes, yes, yes. My, uh, well, generations farming, um, orables and uh, chicken growing for meat and uh, vegetables and horticulture. So it's kind of a complex full uh, picture in agriculture with my family. And you went off to, was
1: it in America that you started making cheese?
2: Yes, um, I I was in a college uh, studying to become agriculture um, engineer and um, I saw an advertisement through my two years there uh, for an internship program between my college and Ohio State University and I just literally took it off the board, went home, applied for it and I forgot about it and then then I got an invitation for an interview which, which made it quite real very quickly and uh, that's when I told my parents what I've done. And <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> brought the news to
2: them. Yep. Yes, uh, nicely and gently. And um, <laughs> and actually, my mom was my very good um, uh, backup and, and strength. Um, she made me go for it because Ah. all of a sudden I panicked a little bit that, oh, this is a big steep step for me to just jump, uh, jump into the States. And uh, she was, she, she was with me through the interview, it went very well. And I ended up on a goat farm in Indiana, Kentucky border, Capriol, INC, with Judy Shad. And they were doing about uh, 21 different type of cheeses or chef goat cheeses, fresh, Uh more ripened and washed rind and hard cheese, semi hard cheese. And it was a really nice landing. Um, The family was lovely, all um, foodie and interested in food, uh, good quality food and um, in farming. Um, They were doing the whole picture. So they had the goats, uh, they were milking, they were breeding. Mm. And we were involved, interns, we had about five, five, eight of them, it varied the number, but uh, from different parts of Europe. And uh, and it was it was a really nice um, atmosphere and really good start for cheese making if you wish so I haven't you got had the cheese making bug there then that's where you, yes. got, you got bitten <laughs> so, yes. that's where that's where I got bitten yeah. yes I yeah. never had anything to do with cheese apart from eating and enjoying it in Hungary. Um, uh, so the making is all came from Caprio Juddiciisha in the States. It was a really nice um uh, hardworking uh, few few months, uh, a year and year and a half, actually, nearly two years, until my visa expired. But it was very rewarding. So that's what made me thinking that, mmm, this is a nice profession. I can do that. <laughs> <Wonderful>. <laughs> I would love to do and is that. that.
1: And then you came to Britain. so you, so uh, and what brought you to Britain? was was that was there a link to cheese there? Were you sort of
2: following that cheese interest? Cheese and language. Yes. So basically, when I went back to Hungary after the visa expired, I felt um, kind of lost and I I craved back for um, making cheese. Mm. And um, Judy was saying, why don't you try a cheesemonger job for a change and um, try to apply Neil's Yard. So I did that. I flew over for an interview with Fran. I don't know if Fran is still with Neil's Yard. Ah, Fran's lovely. Yes, I know Fran. Yeah. Yes. And um, then I went for um, a bit... Alvaro from Spain, he probably already left, uh, did a job for half an hour in the Covent Garden shop, uh, mainly washing up. And then they let me know the job is mine if I wanted to.
3: Brilliant. And
2: I can start um, start whenever. So I started in 2006, July and uh, become a cheesemonger at Niels Dairy. And that's but, a great, uh,
1: int- I mean, Niels Dairy is very interesting. Their name has come up a lot on this, this series of podcasts. Um, and they, you know, it's a wonderful introduction to the world of British cheese, isn't it? Because you're, you're working very closely with about 50 to 60 cheeses, you know, made by some of the leading cheesemakers in Britain. Cheesemakers,
2: yes, yes. So that's how, that's how I actually very quickly met, um, probably in a two weeks time, three weeks time, I met Mary Holbrook um, at ah. the cheese shift and uh, we started chatting and straight away she said she's actually looking for cheesemaker and I'm like, Really? Can I come? Can I come? And, you um, know, in a, a month time spent with uh, Niels Jaderi, I had a job. That's I was very brilliant. lucky. Yes, yeah. very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So I stick out a, a half a year and um, I did a f- couple of or uh, free Christmases together, all together with um, Nils-Your-Dairy because I actually like the buzz of Christmas. It's really busy and you have a buzz lot to a do. Buzz is a good and... way. <laughs> yes, it is indeed. Yes, yeah. yes.
1: Yeah, very satisfying. And so you worked with Mary good. at Slate Farm and she's famous for her, she was a sort of pioneer of Gates cheeses in Britain, you know, that's a very seminal figure. What was indeed. that like? Yeah,
2: It was great experience, hard work and, um, Lots of perks of the job, but um, lots of, lots of, lots of hard work. Um, yeah. You know, I got involved with, uh, again, uh, the animal side of the whole operation, which was really nice, um, with the goats uh, milking, feeding, um, taking them to slaughterhouse um, for meat, for restaurants in London to distribute. And um, also the cheese making, which is, um, is Timsborough Slatelet Cardo, which is the wash rind cheese with thistle. Yeah and um, an old four, the hard cheese. So so we were doing four cheeses, but mainly Timsboro and Slatelet uh, on daily basis. And it was a really good experience in terms of uh, fill, touch, um, use your initiative
1: ah
2: interesting yes 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 absolutely that that was that was for me because in the states um i picked up a little bit of science you know the ph meter the temperature the relation of the starter culture quantities and uh, titration so we 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 use that in in the states and then coming to mary was like oh okay we don't use either of those so so (laughs) <laughs> so you you got to listen to your guts. You you yes, got to t- taste. You you've knowledge got to of a different
1: a different sort of knowledge, knowledge acquired through, yeah, through through your sense and through your experience, isn't it? That's Yes, fascinating yes,
2: it, it was it was yeah. it was very fascinating. And you know, Mary is is a great person, uh, hardworking and um, interested in, in uh, many areas. I I admired her knowledge on um, cheese cooking, uh, Mediterranean kitchen. I think I believe was her favorite. Um she loved classical music. So we had a lot of classical music chats. <laughs> music lovely. in the background. Yes. And, and
1: it was, um, so it was this time at Mary's that things led to to your time yes, at Mr. Yes, Berlin. because so it's been that, very fortuitous. Yeah.
2: Yes, that fantastic two years, nine months with Mary also made me realise it's really nice working for other people, but how about trying this out for myself? Mm. And uh, so I I left Mary in a in a hope that I'll pick up a few jobs. Um, so I had three, four jobs in a um, in the same time to get more and more experience mm-hmm. on goat cheese, on selling cheese at farmers markets and even um, a cheesemonger locally, which was the fine cheese company. Oh, yes. So I uh, yeah. I did a bit of work with White Lake Cheeses, Roger and Pete Humphries.
1: Ah, yes, they make I, uh, great. Che- I mean, I, I always admire the range of the cheeses they make, apart from anything else as well as the quality. It's got such yes, it's,
2: it's, energy to them.
1: Yeah,
2: it, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I did a little bit with the Bartlett Brothers in Wooten Organic Oh, Dairy. They
1: love, their cheeses are delicious. Yeah, they're lovely.
2: Yes, they, yeah. they, they, they um, have a relation also to Mary with a little riding, the sheep milk cheese, mm. because Mary used to make um, uh, sheep milk cheeses before. But um, they let me kindly to use their cheese room once, uh, once a week on a Saturday, I believe. And I took 50 litres of Jersey cow's milk from their, their Jersey herd and, uh-huh. um, and uh, started experimenting with the rind cheese at that time, called Sedley, Surreal, various names, Sunset, um, right. all sorts of names. And yes, uh, cheeses
1: have their different incarnations, don't they? Especially when cheese, mong- cheese makers are starting out, you know, yes. you're, you're trying, you're experimenting, aren't you? I've, I've talked to Martin Gott on this programme and over the years, I've Martin's talked to me about cheeses, which he no, no longer makes because, you know, yes. it takes time. You're trying, you're trying things out, you're trying recipes, you're trying to find the cheese that is going to be a hit with your customers that you like making and it works for you and yeah lots yes. of factors
2: yeah yes and 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 uh, basically they also let me sell the cheese at farmers markets and do some you know research on how the cheese is uh, taking to to the public to sure. wholesalers and so on and i got a really good feedback from the very beginning which was really nice and gave me a really good inspiration and kick and um, doing their farmers market, well, <laughs> caution farmers market in Wiltshire, selling mm-hmm. their cheeses and a little bit of mine. I met uh, Neston Park Estate's um, farm manager, Sandy McFar- um, McFarlane, who already retired since. But um, he was the one who said, oh, this is Jersey milk. I really like that. I said, so do I. I'm actually looking for some milk source. And he uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, it was he, meant to he, be. <laughs> yes, yes. It's straight away he said, oh, come, come Neston Park and meet uh, Sir James Fuller and uh, let's see what we can do. So I met Sandy in a week time. I I had a meeting with uh, Sir James Fuller and Sandy. And um, in a year time, I moved into the old cheese room at Neston Park. Estate. Yes. How oh,
1: wonderful. And I was interested that you enjoy using Jersey milk because I, oft- when I've talked to cheesemakers in the past, it, I get the impression that juice is a bit of a difficult milk to make cheese from. So is that? Am I imagining that, that it's got that reputation, or it, is, it, does. it does? It does, doesn't it? It
2: yes. does have does because of the flat, go, uh, flat gobbles, um, high fat contained, makes yeah. it really hard to work with the cheese in terms of getting all the moisture out uh, of uh-huh. the cheese. But um, what we do is we using the morning milk only. Uh-huh. So for for that reason the morning milk is slightly weaker when you compare the the butterfat and protein level in the morning milk and the afternoon milk the butterfat is significantly lower in the morning uh, right. morning milk so that works out very well for most of our cheeses except the jersey curd which we started mixing the milk uh, morning and evening milk because we get that lovely creaminess and silkiness from it
1: yeah and Yes. But, so, so we tell us, so this is very exciting. So give us a, um, a date. So when did you start making, what, what year was it that you started making it at the old cheese room at Neston
2: Park? So I moved in May 2011. I, I did about a few months at White Lake. Um, so I was getting Neston Park's Jersey milk and in blue barrels, five barrels, um, using Pete Humphrey's when, uh, shifting over the milk to, White Lake and use their cheese vat and cheese room, making the cheese, mature it there, and selling it uh, continuously to, to my customers, who I already had a few by then. And then May 2011, I moved in. I moved in with a copper cauldron and an open fire ring, and my idea of cheese making was as pure as possible. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Good for Yes. You. Gosh. Well, yes how, yes. how did that work out? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think I I, I can say um, the raw milk version of uh, baronet and the copper caudron went on for about half a year, and then suddenly the herd got um, uh, TB. And, oh dear! Um, so you had to pasteurise then. And I know. had to pasteurise for economic yep. reasons and to sure. carry on. Um, yeah. The choice was pasteurisation. Yeah, TB is
1: that terrible. Th- you know, for all the raw milk cheese make, it's the sort of the scary shadow that hangs over them is if your herd it gets is. TB, it has, you have to then, it has to be pasteurized for safety reasons. So, so yes. tell us about, so what was the first cheese that you started making, of, of the cheese you make now, what, yeah. what, what was one that you started with, you know, tell us the order. <laughs>
2: so. Yes, the signature cheese is butternut, uh baronet which is based on the Reblochon um, cheese. And that is why I actually, I was leaning towards something uh something uh, fattier, creamier in milk, because mm. I thought uh, for the elastic texture and for the creaminess, what you time to time get from on, um Jersey milk might just do it. Um, yeah, and clever. Yeah. I did try the afternoon milk, but I had all sorts of, um, with maturing time, I had a terrible time with mucus, the cat hair. So that's, oh, yes. That, that's, that's a really sort of striking-looking but
1: scary-looking mole, that sort of growth. Yeah, I mean, and, yes. and, the, and the phrase cat's head." yeah, totally expresses it, so, yeah. It, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, Yeah. Yep. So yeah, so you, yes. had, so, you had to, so you switched. So that it was the morning milk that was more suitable then for Baronet. Yes,
2: we we changed the cutting size of the curd and we changed onto the morning milk because of that. Because I think the cat hair is usually comes out when you have excess moisture, extra moisture in your oh. cheese. So so we, we we tried these two options and both work very well. So we stick with the morning milk, and and uh, so Baronet it comes in three sizes. I only went with a large cutting size at the beginning for about three four years. Until my husband joined me, and then I started doing the mini baronets and the baby baronets during lockdown. They all have different customer range. Strangely enough, it's it's uh, delis and farm shops and farmers markets really prefer uh, cutting size of baronet or the mini uh-huh. baronet, yeah. while restaurants in London seem to take to mini baronet, and then uh, baby baronet kind of was a, was a. A fortunate born because of lockdown people wanted the grab and go type of cheese which was yeah. easy and and wrapped and not a large size it's 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 um it's not, not much wasted uh, i mean i don't know how people use their cheeses and do they eat it in one go <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> or they're storing it, it? <laughs> Yes, yeah. Yeah. we certainly don't hang around um, in our household um yes it, it, it yeah. goes in a wink of an eye yeah so so that's Yes, and um, we just carried on like that. So we have different customer range for So you had, so you size. took that.
1: So you took. A, so just thinking back to your inspiration, Juliana. So you took you. So you were inspired by a French reblochon, which is a very you know a classic French cheese, but making it you know interestingly with Jersey milk, which is a really interesting clever use of 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 the virtues of Jersey milk and what it would bring to the cheese. See so, and and so the baronet, the name, because that's always an issue, isn't it, for cheesemakers when they're making, they've got to find a name and uh, what what made you,
2: what, <laughs> did you, R- you why did you but put it was that? A
1: joke.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it was a joke really because uh, when I signed my lease renting the premises and then start buying the Jersey milk from Neston Park Estate I signed the contract with Sir James Fuller and his name on the paper was Sir James Fuller BT and I'm uh-huh. like what BT BT stands for and he just said British Telecom and then he he kind of (laughs) kindly let me know the meeting is over so I walked away thinking this is odd and I did my research and I found out about Baronessi Ah, than Park is fantastic. But I thought this is kind of a nice story to tell. Very nice. It's a nice tribute, isn't it? So, to that partnership, it's a lovely And for the partnership, exactly, exactly. And it's something different because usually cheese is named after a place or or a location. And I thought, well, yeah, that's how it is.
1: Makes it a grand and noble cheese, exactly. Um, (laughs) And you've got another cheese which I've heard great things about, but I'm sadly not
2: tried myself yet um is Lipia so tell me tell me about that yeah. so Lipiat was um born during lockdown one and it was always in the back of my mind after being uh, trained in ghost cheese making that I really enjoy chef uh, cheese I really enjoyed Mary's Timsborough Judy's uh, Sophia or Piper's Pyramid and then also uh Sidon Sidon Hill um
1: not oh, many yes, that's lovely cheeses. Cheese.
2: yeah that's delicious so, yeah it's always in the back of my mind. If I went out to buy some cheese, these were the cheeses I was I was thinking about and craving mm. for. And I kept talking to my husband, who kind of probably got fed up with hearing all that. And <laughs> one day he just he just said, "Look, I'm 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 doing this cheese, and it it, it will be a more ripened cheese. So it took us about uh, half a year, I think, ah, um, okay, yeah, putting it into motion and and getting getting certain things right about it obviously we're still learning with it but we're very happy as it is at the moment and um and it turned out to be that chocolate so it has the look and the appearance of a goat cheese so when you look at lipiad it does look like a goat cheese like um you will be expecting the the goatiness you will be expecting yes. the sharpness acidity but actually yeah. it finishes off with a Creaminess and and slowly building up flavor profile. So, it's it's we're getting really nice feedbacks at the moment. I'm I'm probably not the best person to describe the cheese, but but um, <laughs> well, cheesemakers can
1: often really struggle to describe their own cheese. But that's really yes. interesting. But in fact, that was interesting. You know what I'd love and way you know you said you talked about the period of development with working on the recipe. What are what some, because I think, you know, it's very easy for me as somebody who just goes into a cheese shop. I buy, you know, wonderful cheeses made with great skill and I have no sense I have no real understanding of the hard work that's gone into making the, the, you know, the trials, the experimentation. What were some of the things that, you know, go where you weren't happy with or you wanted to tweak, you know, in that period of experimentation or, or ongoing experimentation?
2: So it's um uh, it's my husband who actually really um, experimented with the cheese with a little bit of me saying this or or that. he he was uh, ladling the curd he knew it's an overnight set it's a loctic set and uh, we wanted to work out sizes we wanted to work out texture whether we, leaning towards slightly drier and um, and maturing the cheese slightly longer so so it's a little bit more like a french profile or are we leaning toward the creamier and and slightly dense denser texture so so Mm. these were the little questions and um what sort of molds and size we're using and then of course the name and the, the packaging so all these little details at the end they all have to come together so that you're satisfied and for that hopefully your customers Customers are happy and um, and satisfied too. So and you so, find a good reception
1: um, with the. It's been people are enjoying it. It's
2: fun. You found a market for it. We have yes yes. I mean um, I I uh, went out to do Stroud Farmers Market last uh, Saturday and uh, I had lovely feedback uh, about the cheese. Everybody who tasted it bought one and everybody who lovely. tasted it gave me some really nice praise about the cheese. And it recently won also three stars at the Great Taste Award. Um, um, We just got the results in August. How
1: exciting. That's very, because that's, you know, the the judges there are, you know, they really know what they're tasting. And so, yeah, fantastic. That must be very rewarding. So Julianus, that, that step, you know, the way that your cheesemaking journey your has cheese gone and led you, you know, to, you know, to sort of come across, fall in love with cheesemaking, pursue it, work for people now set up as your cheesemaker of your own. How, and obviously a very tough time, you know, with the lockdowns and the impact that, you know, how tough that was for the cheese world in Britain. But, here, you know, here we are. How are you finding your, are you, in, how are you finding making cheese? Are you finding
2: it rewarding? yes indeed rewarding therapeutic and and always always feel um i think the excitement of, of of coming up with an end product hoping that the end product for me the cheese making part is you know you get your milk and and you have little details from the minute you pick up your milk you have to be mm-hmm. a, aware of and these little uh, little details all build on each other so it's like a puzzle, but um, with level, and 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 you kind of try to jiggle everything together in the right time, with the right, uh, yes. <laughs> right approach, and and hoping that your end product will result. That kind of carefulness and particularity, what you do during your cheesemaking. So, so for us, this is a challenge in in everyday basis. And my husband and myself, we do enjoy that. However, my husband is putting more effort into the cheesemaking nowadays because um, I'm taken into uh, wrapping and and selling and and yeah. um, yes. And you mentioned and, the, and the you...
1: farmers. You mentioned the farmers' markets, and that's very interesting because I've. I've I've, I've done. I've talked to a lot of cheesemakers over the years, and and farmers' markets. As you said, you know, it's an amazing place where you get very direct feedback from. That's the joy, really. Especially if you have made a new cheese and you want people to, you know, you want people to try it. Members of the public. And you yes. want to see whether they'll be interested in buying it or not. It's a brilliant sort of like market research, isn't it? Literally market, <laughs> farmers market research. R- literally,
2: it? yes. Yeah. I, I do yeah. like any kind of feedback. Obviously, if it's positive, I'm really happy, but I also take to any, any negatives or if there is any, or, mm. or because it's kind of building, isn't it? You, 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 you analyze it, whether there is something in that uh, feedback and what can yeah. I do to change it? And how can I make a difference with it so that next time I possibly don't get that? It is a good way, I think, to get direct feedback, instant feedback. And on your, the your
1: mother, who was so encouraging about your cheese journey, is she, is she pleased that you're making cheeses which are doing so well I, in the founder market?
2: I think she's very pleased. She misses me and um, I think the family misses. Um, me and and now the children in particular.
1: Ah, yes. Yes, that's hard when you've moved away. Yeah.
2: Yeah, spending time. There's always, uh, every time we visit, there is a sound of oh well, oh well. You know there are opportunities around here. Cheese making is building, yeah. <laughs> and, and I, you can see where she's coming from. <laughs>
1: yes, I can. As, as a mother, I totally get where she's coming from. Yeah, that's so interesting. But um, but I was interesting, you know, because if you say well, you know, given you know you're from Hungary, you've worked in America. Do you think that the British? Did you find the sort of British cheese making climate or the British food climate in Britain? Did you find it a do you think it was there was, was there an open mindedness about it did you think oh this yes. is, I can do this it's receptive in a way to what you are offering and to what you were bringing to it
2: yes yes absolutely um, at the beginning probably um, i mean the feedback was really good about the cheeses but time to time i also wondered oh my god am i crazy a hungarian in england trying to make a french style cheese learning <laughs> cheese making in america and how is that all come together but i think with um with the cheeses we we're producing now is 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 a little bit from everywhere i picked up and put into it in england which is really nice and yes. english cheese making has come a long long way and and improved improved so much and 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 all the varieties all the new cheeses it's it's fascinating yeah. fascinating to hear I'm always really uh, keen yeah. on finding out new businesses and how they're going. And the more the merrier, really. Yeah, um, I take totally There is space agree. for I mean, everyone. Yes.
1: yes. And I think, you know, and what's interesting is there is this real... And the fascinating thing is, is that cheeses don't travel that far, despite being, you know, in the 21st century. It's very interesting how cheeses still... Like, it's very hard... I love the Witten Brothers. Um, I love their cheeses. Quite hard for me to buy them in London, you know, unless I go online, but if I want to go to a shop. It's yes. interesting, isn't it? So cheeses do stay. They still stay in their place, quite close to where they're made. That's quite a, Which actually makes it really exciting if you're travelling around Britain because you can, you'll can you find cheeses that you haven't tried before, basically, which is lovely. That's
2: that's lovely, yes. It's, it's the same thing when you go abroad, at least with us. We go abroad and we're trying to find the locality, the specialities, uh, whether that's seafood, whether that's cheese, whether that's wine, or you name it. We, we, we always like to discover the local things within yes. the country. Yes, the region. Wonderful.
1: Oh well, listen, Juliana, that's so lovely to get your story. Thank you for sharing with us. That's um, thank you very that's much. That's actually for... put a put a smile on my face. It's just such a, <laughs> a lovely story. Well, of hard of hard work. So I totally acknowledge that. But I'm glad it's I'm glad it's proving so rewarding for you and your husband.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much for for inviting me. I'm very pleased to be here and sharing all that with you. Thank you, Joanna. Yeah. Take care, Thank then. you, Jenny. Bye-bye.
4: Thank you. Bye. Online, on Smart Speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM.
1: Very happy to have with me today an old friend of the programme, Sam Wilkin. Good morning, Sam. Good morning. Now, Sam, how would I describe you? You know, I think the words that come to mind are cheese enthusiast, you're a wonderful communicator. We first met when you were making a podcast. And you used to do a lot of filming. So you seem to me you have this sort of a very multifaceted cheese championing role, I think, is how I think of you.
4: I think that sounds fair. Thank you, Jenny, for those words. I appreciate that. I struggled <laughs> to put it into uh, words myself. I should probably probably work it up into a, a nice pithy intro. An elevated pitch.
1: That. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, listen, when, when I look at the world of British cheese, I, I'm often struck by what I see as a sort of a creative energy to it, that there's an open mindedness and... There's innovation, and that's something that I wanted to talk to you about, because I think, you know, what's really interesting is that there is a new cheese in the world of British cheese, and it's something that's come about through a very interesting collaboration between you, cheese maker David Jowett, Kingstone Dairy, and Tom Oliver the cider maker. Take over from me, Sam, tell me tell me how this came about and tell us about the cheese that's
4: resulted. Well, it's been a few years in the making, really. Um, David and I were talking about our sort of mutual love of cider and I've always been a big fan of David's cheeses right from the get-go, in fact, our careers in cheese roughly started at the same time and I remember him coming in with his early batches of Roll Right before it had Mm. the spruce bark around it and you know really early on so I've sort of seen him grow into this incredible um, talented cheesemaker who's you know just he's got a wonderful range of cheeses all of which are excellent all of which are distinct yes. and, and he's a he's a really excellent cheese maker so and he's
1: remarkably modest with it isn't he so um, yes yeah. he is yeah. he's, a,
4: he's a lovely chap and he makes really really good cheese and so we were talking about a uh, beautiful washed rind cheese that we both had kind of pictured in our head and I said well look I'm doing a bit of work with cider makers and I do a lot of cheese and cider pens, and why don't I reach out to someone who I think is also a bit of a genius in their field which is Tom Oliver so Tom Oliver is often described as the kind of godfather of British cider he's a (laughs) wonderful cider and perry maker from Herefordshire globally respected brilliant brilliant maker of our kind of native drink really
1: I have become evangelistic about Tom's cider (laughs) now once I've tried it it, it is a revelation so anyone listening I urge you like really strongly hunt it out and I order it online to get it, but it's well worth it. It really is it, good. He
4: inspires that kind of devotion, absolutely. And, and you know, Tom Tom himself would say there are also there are other fantastic makers, some of them really new to the game, some of them have been doing it for a while. But Tom just seems to have this wonderful magic touch to the drinks that he makes. And so I took David over to Oakle Pritchard in uh, in Herefordshire, which is Kind of the center of Perry country, actually, but that's Mm. a conversation for another day. And uh, we sat down, had some lunch. Uh, You know, I've actually got a recording of that lunch. You can hear the blackbirds going great guns in the garden in the apple tree outside. And we just sat there around the table, drinking good cider, eating good cheese. I seem to remember a good pork pie as well, and just talking about. Cheese and cider and their kind of shared heritage, but also, you know, which of Tom's ciders work with that cheese? And we sort of thought, well, look, if we're looking to wash a cheese, we should probably start with something that really pairs well. And it is
1: literally washing Mm. cheese. I think perhaps just explain it to the audience in case people don't know what that means.
4: So there's plenty of washed, dried cheeses out there that that, that are just washed in brine. So a salt solution, either by directly with uh, the maker's hand or with a brush or a cloth. Effectively, the idea is to clean off any, any sort of moulds and yeasts that would cause a rind more like a Brie de Mo or a Baron bygod, for example. And you end up with this wonderful sort of sticky, um, hopefully kind of almost like glowing with life orange mm-hmm. rind. And that orange is, is the brevi bacterium linen. So it's a, it's a bacteria-ripened cheese, effectively. And that's why you're moistening the rind. But there is also a really strong tradition, both on the continent and here in the UK, of using various alcohols to wash these cheeses Uh now the story goes as a monastic tradition that on certain feast days they weren't allowed meat and so they wanted to create a product that tasted had that kind of wonderful depth of savory in fact Mm. a lot of david's cheeses have an almost a kind of smoky bacon kind of flavor in the rind so they're kind of replicating that and they're using be it brandy or cider or beer that they probably make brew or distill or, or make Uh, in the Abbey and they would wash the cheese with that. And this is, that's kind of the the inspiration. So, That was back in 2018, that lunch. And I, you know, sort of various conversations, various iterations down the line. Me and David started talking again at the end of last year about revisiting this project, that for obvious reasons, i.e. COVID and, you know, lockdown and all the rest of it, never quite happened. And so we thought now's the time. And actually, it, it seemed to be the perfect time. I feel like British Cheese is riding this incredible crest of you know, innovation, but but support as well. Mm. You know, it's, it doesn't matter how much you innovate. If, if people are not interested in British cheese, then yes. it kind of falls on deaf ears. And, yep. you know, things like this show and and things like Jamie Oliver did and British Cheese Weekender, which is in a few weeks. These are all new things that, that that kind of tell the story of British cheese. And so it was good timing, but we wanted to make a product that not only celebrated the cheese, it wasn't just a cider wash cheese. It was a cheese made by David Jowett washed insider made by tom oliver Mm. and so i wanted to celebrate two makers at the peak of their game and i also feel that we in cheese there's an element where we we, you know cheese is everything and that's great but but the reality is there are other industries out there so if there's a product out there that can actually straddle industries that can get cider people interested in cheese or cheese people interested in cider then that only furthers the cause for small-scale producers here in the uk and i think that's a good thing
1: Yes, it's a very. Good, I like that image of you as a sort of a creative connector, which I think you're very well placed to do. And I know that. And cheese and cider are two things you're fascinated by, aren't they, Sam? Mm. So it seems like a genius idea to then put them together and make make a new cheese. So so tell us about the the result of this this lunch and this partnership that you've <laughs> sort of triggered. What what is it called and what does it like?
4: So the cheese itself is called Yarlington. Uh, It's called Yarlington because it's washed in a single variety, uh, varietal cider called Yarlington Mill. Um, Yarlington Mill uh, apple is actually originally from Somerset, a little place called Yarlington. And it's kind of one of the cornerstones of cider making this apple. So Tom has made this wonderful cider called Yarlington Mill. The first round of cheeses that we made were washed in 2019 they're now being washed in 2021, 2020, not a, a strong year for the Arlington Apple. So we're on to 2021. Uh-huh. This is the new batch. So for me, that's another layer of fascination is that although the cheese, you know, the cheese changes, the milk changes every day. So David's kind of dealing with different seasonal things that he's doing. So does the cider. The cider changes. Right. Tom isn't so they cider vintages, right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so the vintage of of, of that is different, and it's a very um, silky, oozing, unctuous cheese. One of those wonderful ones that you cut into, and it just kind of is glistening inside. And the Mm. rind itself has got. We we tried various different percentages of cider and brine to to wash the rind, and and some of them ended up with this crazy rind where we had all sorts of weird things going on. And actually, some one that was just alcohol, we found that almost the sugars in the cider made the bacteria kind of react too quickly and they got overexcited and died of death that's interesting and so the rind looks a little gray and not very healthy what we want is a glowing healthy rind and that's what we have ended up with and actually i think people have bought into the story i think people like the idea you know in a retail environment cheesemongers love a good story and i think two great makers coming together to make yes. something delicious is, is captivating for the customer it's being featured in all sorts of different places I know quite a few wonderful cheese businesses are using Arlington in it's uh in, the, in their kind of Christmas hamper selections and all sorts of things nice. so I'm delighted I was, to see I got, I was lucky going. enough
1: to to try some and it's it's a very it's delicate isn't it I mean it's, 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 mm. it, I think it's quite characteristic of David that he makes rather elegant cheeses I think doesn't he each one is distinctive, as you said. He does have a range, which is really impressive, and each one has its own character. Wash-rind cheeses can be terribly powerful, um, mm. but but he's he's gone for it. It's just a sort of, it's very appealingly sort of savory. It's got lovely savouriness, and it's got that lovely texture, which is a very characteristic of wash-rind. But it's a, it's not a sort of yeah. It doesn't sort of knock you over.
4: Well, and that, I suppose, is where personal preference comes in. I'm, I'm, neither me nor David are hugely into kind of over, you know, cheeses where it's kind of a major identifying element is that it's its full full on. I'm not yeah. really interested in those for me, not interested yeah. in those cheeses. I want to not be challenged, but be asked to kind of look for new look for it a little bit because Mm, it's way more satisfying than just stripping the roof of your mouth and that's the end of the experience it's there's so much going on in there but you have to sort of engage with it and pay attention to what's happening so yeah for me that that, that's one of the nice outcomes
1: and why did why did you choose yarlington what did you feel it was we should talk about the cider part of this what Mm. did what did you feel it was a cider did tom feel it was a cider that would lend itself to the sort of washing process well that's
4: that actually is part of the ongoing discovery for, for, for David in particular and for me and Tom sort of, you know, I should say as well, I'm I'm, I'm here talking about it and, it and it kind of gave birth the idea to a degree, but really the key to any good idea is making sure that you work with people who are absolutely the best in their field and then let, let them get on with it. Um, you know, so I'm not yes. taking credit for but, the outcome no. of the quality product. We, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. I think the side has been a really interesting one because... Lots of these alcohol-washed rind cheeses are just washed in booze. Um, we found that just just the cider, because it's back-sweetened with a certain amount of what's called keeved cider, the sugars were too much with that, so we tempered it with brine. Um, and so it's mm. a sort of discovery, really. We're learning what, what happens. And, of course, it's a... You know, it's an unpasteurized product, Tom's Cider. It's natural fermentation. So, you know, there's a certain amount of lab analysis of what was actually going on in the cider. And that was quite interesting. I mean, I'm sure David's, you know, David's only in his early 30s. There is a book down the line, I'm certain of it, that is the sort of the defining work, a book or something anyway, the defining work on, dry drying cheeses in the UK coming from David Chow. I, I, I'd be very uh, surprised if that doesn't happen yeah. one day because, it, it, you know, he's so young and he's got so much knowledge and, and he's absolutely amazing at what he does. So
1: I was just thinking about the rewarding, you know, this partnership. Which sounds, you know, and for two people, as you say, who are such wonderful makers, and, yeah. are genu- and have got that genuine interest in what they do, which sort of shines out from them. Did, how did they find? How did? How has? Did Tom find? Have it was that exciting for him to see his cider in a? Yeah, jazz I, I, I form? think Tom.
4: I mean, I'm, i obviously I'm speaking for Tom here, but I, I yes. think he finds it really exciting, and I suppose his his brief, if you like is his own brief, is to make as good a, most balanced, most delicious cider that he can. So he's not, we're not at the stage yet where we're kind of commissioning cider for washing. We haven't got that that level of understanding. And maybe that's not what it's about. Maybe it's about taking the cider that you're given Mm -hmm. and then using the cheesemaker's craft to make that work for the cheese that you want to make. And how's mm.
1: David found found this process? Has it been stimulating for him?
4: Yes, I think it has been. So, I mean, he's he, you know he likes he likes a project, he likes a challenge, and I think it's been really good for both of them again to be sort of highlighted within the, each other's respective industries. I think that mm. has been beneficial. So plenty of cider people who haven't necessarily engaged heavily with cheese beyond a bit of cheddar now know the name David Jarrett and they know the name Yarlington and they seek it out. And we've had a huge amount of support from the cider world as well as the cheese world. So, brilliant. you, you know, that's very gratifying, definitely.
1: Now, you have got another project and you did just mm. mention cheddar <laughs> and, yeah. and cheddar and cider. Tell us your, your, you know, something else you've got you're working on now.
4: Well, I suppose, I mean, you asked what the outcome of this for all of us is. And actually, I'd say we're all good mates now as well. So we like we enjoy spending time with each other. So when we get the opportunity, we do. So I thought, well, how do I work with Tom again? Mm. Wouldn't it be incredibly exciting for me as a cheesemaker or not a cheesemaker, as a cheesemonger to learn a little bit about the cider making process? So I, I've spent a bit of time with Tom and we well, the, the, the idea was to make a cider initially to make a cider that goes well with cheese. Well, that sounds great. But cheese, as you know, and as this <laughs> yes. program shows, is yeah. vast and varied and incredible for it. But there's so many different profiles, textures out there. So let's narrow it down a bit. We thought, well, cheddar. Cheddar's that kind of ubiquitous cheese that everyone knows. Globally, it's huge. Cheddar. Well, what's cheddar? Ah, oh, Okay. Well, my idea of cheddar is a beautiful cloth-bound farmhouse cheese, you know, that is full of complexity, deep savoury, brothy notes, a bit of farminess, mm. some vegetal, you know, good texture, good tooth, some you know, that's what I think it is. But what do other people think cheddar is? So I put together a tasting profile sheet in a sense so people could take some cheddar, taste it and then effectively score different tasting notes different tasting categories if you like out of 10 and so i sent this out and actually many people have replied it i think last count was over 50 some of them are still coming in but from not just the uk predominantly the uk but also the states australia i've had some from the continent as well so there's some good statistics and actually in many ways good cheddar is is what you'd hope it would be deep savory notes brothiness a little bit of grassiness some farminess toothsome texture you know all the things you'd hope it would be so we took that almost as our brief to blend to. Uh, and uh-huh. so we, we've blended a cider, uh, actually using a good, good dose of the Yarlington Mill, mm. a bit of fox whelp, um, some barrel-aged, uh, multiple varieties, um, which have been aged in, in, in barrels. So they've got a kind of a, a sort of an oaky depth to them, something quite sort of uh, almost abrasive on their own, but in the context of other varieties, really yeah. sort of just almost like seasoning. And then we've added a bit of back sweetened keeved cider just to kind of give it a rounded edge, to give it that mouth feel that you need with a cheese like cheddar. And so it yeah. works. It's beautiful. And what I'm Brilliant. excited about is, is the cider's the same, but it's different with every single cheddar you try it with.
1: Yeah, I mean, exactly your point that even that, you know, you take us, you know, in quotes, a single cheese cheddar. But yeah. of course, you know, so many different manifestations of cheddar, cheddar and cheddar, mm. isn't there? And yeah. Um, yeah. How interesting. So what is the name of this new this new cider? And is it available?
4: Right. Yeah, October time. So around sort of that, that you know, deep into the harvest time. Um, yeah. seemed like a good time to release it. But it's going to be called Soulmates um, ah, because nice. cheddar and cider is, is the na- natural soulmates. And really, I think it, it's decided to just to be enjoyed, but also to be enjoyed with a good piece of cheddar. And I hope everybody who tries it Depending on their cheddar, will have a different experience from the next person. So I hope it, I hope it matches well with what what the soul of cheddar is, but gives people a different experience every time they try it with a, a different cheddar or different cheese.
1: Wonderful. That sounds, of course, you know. Need to say, I'm now craving both cider and, <laughs> and lunchtime, Teddy. <laughs> it's nearly there. We're nearly there. Oh, no, I, know. I think we are yes, there. yeah, um, yeah. But that was great. Well, brilliant, Sam. Thank you so much for coming on tennis. I mean, I just love this. You know what. It must have been very satisfying for you to, you know, to be involved in these projects and working with these remarkable people and and lots of delicious outcomes, so well done.
4: Thank you, it's been brilliant actually. I'm really enjoying it and, and we have plans for the future as well, which I'll keep under my hat.
1: Okay, but keep me posted as well. I will All of, right. course. of course. thank you, Sam.
4: Take care then, thank you very no much. No problem, thank you so much. Bye now. Bye. I'm a
1: huge fan of Peter's Yard's Crackers and they always feature on my Christmas cheese board All Peters Yard's crackers are made in small batches using quality natural ingredients and their sourdough starter, slowly fermented for 16 hours for award-winning flavour and crunch. Visit PetersYard.com forward slash shop. Enter the code SLICEOFCHEESE at the checkout to receive 25% off your first order.
4: Online, on smart speakers and
0: on Listen Again, this is Food FM. Enhance your cheese board with Peters Yard's sourdough crackers this Christmas. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon, Petersyard.com and specialist food retailers.
1: Before we go on exploring the world of cheese, here's news of another Food FM programme that I think you'd really enjoy.
0: Thank you Jenny. Well, I'm David, the host of The Drinking Hour here on Food FM. Each week we explore the wonderful world of wine, spirits and beer – all things that make wonderful pairings with cheese, of course. We hear from those for whom making drinks is a passion. So after your cheese course, how about you join me for a few drinks? You can find The Drinking Hour with David Kermode on your usual podcast platform and at foodfmradio.com. Now it's back to Jenny and a slice of cheese.
1: This morning on A Slice of Cheese, very happy to have with me today, the founder of Cheese Geek, which is an online cheesemonger, Edward Hancock. Good morning, Edward.
3: Morning, Jenny. Thank you very much for having me back.
1: Well, it's really nice to talk to you again. Um, I thought we had so much to say. <laughs> so, yeah. And actually, this the reason I invited you on this episode Edward is that we're exploring the idea of sort of innovation within the British cheese world and it struck me and I have you know been talking to cheese makers but I actually really wanted to explore what you're doing in a way which is selling cheese that very sort of fundamental thing for anyone who loves cheese you're selling cheese in a different way aren't you by going online or was that your Did you have a sort of revelation when you set up the business that this would you know there was there a gap in the market that you saw and thought wow this would be a brilliant thing to do
3: well i think um when i set the business up there were already cheesemongers that had an online presence which was probably secondary um in nine out of ten cases to their physical presence so, so there, there, there was the capability of buying cheese online but i think for me personally sort of my greater ambition from the start has always been how can i get everyone to access this incredible produce mm. so when you think that big then you kind of quickly realise that online is pretty much the only way to achieve that, or certainly the only way to achieve that in a reasonably sensible time frame and with a reasonable <laughs> yes. sensible amount of capital capital investment. You know, so because so, I think, you know, many people that what's amazing about the cheese industry is it's filled with people who obviously love cheese um, and just want to talk to people about cheese and just want to serve their local community, which is so incredibly valuable. But I think I came at it from a different perspective, which was, I want to create that feeling, but UK-wide and then eventually internationally. And so I think online was really the kind of obvious obvious way for me to achieve that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is that fascinating thing, and as someone who's always loved physical food shops, my very first book, Food Loves London, was a sort of a celebration of multicultural food shops in London, which involved a huge amount of walking around and visiting shops. And I love the tactile quality of shops. But they say, mm. because, you know, as online has grown, which, you know, it wasn't around when I was, you know, when I first wrote that book. It's sort of amazing how the accessibility, you know, that's what's remarkable, isn't it? That I'm guessing this is one of your things is that, you know, you don't have to have a cheese shop near you. What you but if you can go online, then you've got access to some fantastic cheeses, haven't you? Which is brilliant.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think there's two, you touched on the first. there's two kind of core, absolutely core benefits or advantages, I think, of, um, of being online. And the first one you've touched on there is accessibility. So ultimately, you know, if you talk to, if you took a straw poll across the UK, most people, the vast majority of people, will tell you they like cheese. But there's a very few amount of those people who would regularly visit their cheese shop, and the primary reason for that is comes down to accessibility, because really most of us are not near a cheesemonger. Mm-hmm. So, so the first thing for online is how can we try and replicate as much as possible because obviously you can't get 100% of the way there, but how can you replicate as much as possible the feel of a local cheese shop for everyone wherever they are? So I think that is the first absolutely key thing. And you know, since we've launched, we've, we've developed, and now you, know, you can order before 2 p.m. and get your cheese next day. So there's that convenience uh, element as well of this. Right, that's interesting. Um, and I, but I think the second, the second thing that runs alongside the accessibility is is it already already i guess it's another interpretation of the term accessibility it's sort of an emotional psychological accessibility because i think there are many people who are really willing and keen to get into cheese but even for myself i mean maybe even for you jenny when you've gone into a cheesemonger sometimes it can be quite overwhelming in terms of choice in terms of range and many people might only do that at christmas where it's the busiest time and you don't really have a lot of opportunity to sit and chat and taste and so I think for me that was a second part of accessibility which was that sort of psychological accessibility to give people the opportunity to learn to sample to taste to enjoy um, and build up a knowledge at home in the comfort of their own home so that when they do have the opportunity to maybe go out to physical cheesemonger, they feel a little bit more confident in their that's knowledge.
1: Really, I love that. That's very empowering, isn't it? And in a way that the friendliness which I find that all the best cheese shops have, because you know, people who work in cheese shops love cheese, rather than the way that in bookshops, people who and I speak as someone who was a bookseller, people who work in bookshops love love books. You know, that's a very that sort of infectious enthusiasm, which can be very converting, mm. is a lovely thing, isn't it? So that was very much something that you wanted to offer through through Cheese company. Absolutely, absolutely
3: yeah. and I think obviously you have to start from step one step one was basic things like you know how do we package the cheese properly how do we wrap it how do we keep it in great condition but as we've evolved we've moved on to more technical things but not for the sake of being technical but to the end that we can provide that customer with that experience that you've just described so for example can we tell a customer that we've sent them a, one of their five cheeses this month as a subscriber and say we've we've picked this specifically for you you know, whether that's based on your previous preferences or your, the way you've rated the cheeses you've tried, or maybe it's an email you sent us to feed us back. You know, I love this, I don't really like that. And we try and now build in all of that feedback we get from the customer into their selections and then tell them that. So you get that feeling of when you walk into a cheese and say, oh, I really didn't like that, you know, that blue cheese last week, or I love that brie style cheese. And then you would pick a, another cheese or suggest another cheese off the back of that. And so that's what we try and do, despite being online and despite you know not physically being with a customer, to try and generate that beautiful feeling you get when you walk in uh, uh, to a cheese shop. Um, and I think the la- the the other bit of that, which sort of um, really is important from our perspective, is it also empowers us as a brand to communicate on behalf of cheesemakers um, oh. and to and to communicate some of our own sort of values and our own excitement about cheese, because again it comes down to that. Um, element of sometimes there's not the opportunity to do that when you walk into a shop. Sometimes the customer's in a hurry, sometimes it's too busy. And so what we say is that here is all the information. So here's all the information on the cheese you're eating. Go online, go onto our website to find out more. And in your own time, you can can do all of that. You can access all of that information, whether it's on the cheesemaker, whether it's on the farmer, whether it's on the milk or the cows. And so it goes as deep as you want it. Or it can just be, here's some cheese, eat it love it yeah move on so i yes. think that's a really important thing as well
1: yeah fascinating so when you're recruiting your staff do you look for people who have a love of cheese or or in a way are you do you often are you often introducing you your staff to this to this world of cheese that you obviously care so much about
3: it's a it's a good question actually because the, and and the answer might, might surprise i mean i think the first thing we've always done when we hire at cheese geek is look for people that are really hungry to learn and you know, and actually, funnily enough, the kind of person I described just a few minutes ago—the person who quite likes cheese and would love to learn more—that's mm-hmm. the sort of person we tend to have employed at Cheese Geek. Um, mm-hmm. They sort of come on that learning, discovery journey with us, yeah. Um, because I think what you then get is you get um, you get a, a range of uh, views. We we look at the, our product and our cheeses, um, and we try and imagine that we represent the public out there if we were all just cheese experts and we'd all come from the cheese industry it might mean that we don't quite represent the views and, and certainly for me and annabelle who's our um, absolute cheese expert uh, alongside myself you know sometimes we like cheeses that some of the other staff don't yeah, and because you know taste is yes. subjective so we yeah. i think we try to answer your question we try and have a spread and right. it's not necessarily that everyone has to be a cheese expert but they definitely have to want to learn more and and be enthusiastic
1: yeah. That's, yes. I mean, enthusiasm is a, is a great quality, I think, isn't it? Mm. I mean, you've had a very exciting year, Edward, haven't you? Because um, I was watching Dragon's Den and lo and behold, there, <laughs> there you were doing a pitch, which went incredibly well, didn't it? You must have. That must have been quite a moment for you.
3: It, it was very exciting. There were many moments leading up to that where I thought, what am I doing? And then when I was in the room, I was still thinking, what on earth am I doing? <laughs> um, but 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 really, I also kind of knew the answer. I mean, it, so it was an incredible experience. Uh, it was fantastic to be presenting the cheese industry because that's what we represent yeah. uh, to people that wouldn't have thought about cheese. You know, yes. so Stephen said to us afterwards, you know, because the table's laid out before you go in there. The table's laid out with your product, and you've never met them. They've not been briefed. There's absolutely no. It's completely. Cold. Yeah, right. And he, he told me afterwards, he said, uh, when I saw the table full with cheese, I thought this won't be for me. He almost went into kind of thinking about other things mode. Wow. Um that's because because yeah. because that's the thing about the cheese industry is that it's an incredible industry, but it is sometimes seen as being quite traditional and not necessarily something that a Stephen Bartlett might invest in. Mm. So I think it was incredible to have the opportunity to change his mind on that and open his mind. And the other thing was it was fantastic to be talking about British cheese uh, on the BBC at prime time. And and for for me, it just goes back to the thing I said at the start, which is everything we do, it's all about how do we get everyone eating this cheese and enjoying this product that we know and love so well.
1: So just thinking back to the from when you started to where you are today and obviously the fact that you went to Dragon's Den, you wanted investment. So you want to grow your business. So how is the how is the scaling up, going? you know, you, your this ambition of getting your cheese accessible and everyone in, in the UK sort of eating good cheese. How how's it going?
3: <laughs> yeah, it's going well. I mean, you know, clearly we've had if you were to take a 5-year business life cycle, um the 5 years that we've chosen to launch and run the business have been quite an <laughs> exciting would be a positive word to use for it. Um, quite scary (laughs) would be another word we've you know we've been through all sorts already and during the pandemic clearly there was a huge boost in terms of online because everyone had to be online yeah and then now it's a case of trying to readjust to what does the world look like post-covid and how are people continuing to buy online and you know we as a business are many many times larger and have maintained that size uh, from before the pandemic which is fantastic and I think from our perspective you know we're constantly trying to push forward um, like you said we're constantly we're, we're ambitious we're trying to continue to grow and continue to try and expand that group of people that eat cheese and enjoy cheese you know beyond the classics. so you know for example you know gifting we try and compete with gifting so we're saying to a customer if you're thinking about flowers or chocolate or gin how about trying cheese mm-hmm. and they might not even like idea. cheese yeah. more than those other products but as a gift and an experience, they think, well, that seems exciting. That seems cool. And so they buy the cheese. And so I think there's, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's when you're, when you're very ambitious, it's very hard work. And we're trying to do something that's quite new and quite different within the cheese industry. So it's hard work. It keeps us busy, Um, but it's it's so exciting. (laughs) It's so exciting. Well, it
1: must be, you know, it must bring it through. And I, I totally understand about the hard work and how absorbing it must be, but but it must have be very satisfying. Do you see, I mean, I was interested, were there in America, were, were there, are there sort of models that you look at? I mean, I, I was wondering partly for mm. that, were there online companies that you, which may well have nothing to do with cheese at all, but did you look at them and think, you know, did you think, oh, I want to be like, you know, like Amazon, you think of the Amazon story. Do you think, I want to do that for cheese, you know, be be the place that you just, people go to to get cheese, you know, in the simplest, most convenient way. Um, yeah. I mean, what, did you De- have these different models?
3: Definitely, I mean, I think, uh... I wouldn't even say necessarily the US I'd say just within the UK mm. um, you know there's a couple of brands that we've always right from the start looked at and said what they've done is really what we, w- we would like to try and achieve so I think that probably the best example would be Bloom and Wild in flowers ah,
1: interesting. Um, yes. you know
3: because Bloom and yeah. Wild when they launched most people tended to use Interflora if they bought yep. online at all. Uh, otherwise, it was generally quite fragmented in terms of local florists. Yeah. And, um, and and they kind of changed the game in so many ways and made buying flowers a regular routine, weekly or monthly thing. And then you had other entrants coming in like Freddy's Flowers. And, yes. and so that market just exploded. And so suddenly flowers became the front of people's minds as a regular routine purchase. And I think that's, you know, a lot of, what they've achieved is what we want to do in the cheese industry. So, so Bloom and Wild be a good example, and there's plenty of wine businesses like Naked Wines, right. for example. Uh, interesting. Um, yes. But, but we've certainly looked at those industries and said cheese, cheese is bigger in many cases than lots of these industries. Cheese is probably only rivaled in chocolate in terms of how excited and emotional people get about it. Mm. Um, so, there's no reason why uh, yeah. you know there shouldn't be a brand within cheese that is that is synonymous with. Um, With the industry just like, you know, Bloom and Wild or Naked Wines or businesses like that. Brew dog in beer, for example.
1: Brilliant. And, and mm-hmm. the cheesemakers that you must work with very closely, are they sort of seeing, you know, did you was there some sort of hesitancy initially because, you know, it was new and different? Mm, and, um, but is that, yeah, but now you've, but you've been overcoming that presumably, I mean, proofing the, the pudding, I'm guessing, as, as you go <laughs> yeah. back for, you know, to buy more cheese from them over and over again, I'm guessing that that gets all the barriers <laughs> well, down.
3: Exactly. It's a, it's a really good point because I always say to people, if I could go back in another life, I would set up a stationery shop or probably something to do with crisps because because <laughs> sending sending cheese to people is a nightmare. I mean, it really is yes. in terms of the care you have to take, the, you yeah. know, the detail, because it's such a it's such a fantastic, but such a precise product. You know, if you don't look after it, it really doesn't show uh, as well as it can. Mm. And so, you know, a lot of that caution from cheesemakers was because, you know, these cheeses are there. It's their labour of love. And yeah. um, you think it's badly handled
1: co- or they're not well stored. Sorry to interrupt, but, you know, I've had cheeses from very good cheesemakers, but they've been in poor condition in our shop. And that's mm. really disappointing. You're like, oh, exactly, they've exactly. been let down. You know, how, if they knew, they'd be so upset. <laughs> they
3: would be. And, and and also you have to remember that you, you and myself, for example, and, and other people that would probably classify themselves as churophiles can spot that. And they, you know, you don't blame the cheese. You don't say, mm. well, I'm not going to have that cheese again. But lots of people sort of dip in and out of cheese and they don't have the knowledge. If they try a piece of cheese they don't like, they would assume they just don't like that cheese. Yes, very and, and that's true. why it's such a responsibility for, for from cheesemongers and from ourselves in terms of caring for the cheese. And so I think there was definitely that sort of uh, caution from cheesemakers initially. Yeah. But, you know, like you said, I guess the proof's in the pudding. We've we've sort of we're still here. We're still growing. And, and I think I really pride myself you know the first 2 years we ran the business and i was i did customer service mm. um, amongst other things it was probably my least enjoyable job doing customer service because you're far too emotionally attached to it. Yeah, and, um, it's very difficult. When a customer's not happy, it's very yeah. yeah. I used to write these long, long emails, um, stories, <laughs> and, like apologising, yes. and and I know that when we finally signed our first customer service girl, she said, "This is a treasure trove because anything I need to learn, I'll just read through all your all your emails, and everything <laughs> I ever need to know is in there." Um, but but I think I took a huge amount of pride that in the first two years, I think we only had one customer. So that you know, it's a huge amount of customers. Only one complaint yes. was because of the quality. Of the very cheese. good. Well, that's um, that quite yeah. an
1: achievement because, you know, it's a perishable product and it's got to be mm. chilled and yeah, and that's the whole issue then, it, you know, it has to be taken in, hasn't it, and refrigerated, you know, you can't just sort of leave it outside, it's, you know, mean that's the, yeah,
3: it's very complicated, it, isn't it, it? It is. It's a very delicate yeah. balance. And, and I think yeah. um, just also on your original question, which was um, cheese makers, and I, I yes. think it's, it's always important to remember there's two sides to this coin for us. You know, we want to give customers the most incredible experience, but but really the point of that is to support cheesemakers. I mean, the more cheese that people eat, the more we're supporting cheesemakers and encouraging their innovation. You know, you've spoken to, to cheesemakers about innovation and there's been mm. incredible innovation in cheese. Our role is so important because it empowers cheesemakers to continue to innovate and have the confidence and the resources to, to, to be able to invest in innovating in new cheeses, to know that they'll find a route to market. Yeah. And I think um one one thing that did come from the pandemic was our ability to to step in and help when help was needed. Because, you know, being online, we also have a big subscriber base. Yes. And what we're able to do is to go and say to a cheesemaker, if you make a thousand cheeses, we will send them straight out to our customers. So we yeah. can take orders of that size. We can then provide uh ratings that all the customers give us the ratings which we then feed back in any any written feedback and mm-hmm. so it connects cheesemakers and customer and Brilliant. so that feedback loop is really helpful in terms of uh not only well it's really helpful the cheesemaker to obviously provide cash flow up front and sell their cheese but yep. it's also valuable i think to provide them with that actual quantitative feedback on the cheese which yes. um which 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 we found to be very helpful. So it's really good to be able to help cheesemakers from that from that side of things.
1: I mean, what's interesting, presumably, one of the sort of joys of being online is that you and having subscribers and being in contact with them is you can sort of build up a cheese-loving community of people who you, you know who are exploring this world and have got a shared interest. And and that's one of the the amazing things now is like you know a lot of my social life is conducted online now because you know through Instagram and Twitter I've you know I I talk to people with similar interests or in fact people with totally different lives but it's sort of fascinating you know we have these encounters and that's that is that amazing that connectivity i suppose that online Mm. offers must be quite a useful and interesting aspect of what you're doing
3: it is and i think you know i mean there's lots of things that we we want to do and we plan to do and one of those things is to try and provide more of a platform to not only our subscribers but just generally cheese lovers to come together in one place and Talk about cheeses they like and um, cheesemakers they know and um, discuss you know uh, recipes that you know in terms of cooking with cheese and yes. and just a cheese hub a cheese community and I think that's yes. something we're really really keen to grow and and you know a great example of that is for vino and wine they very much did that with wine and that's what we want to build we want to build a place where cheese lovers can go uh, uh, whatever their knowledge whatever their however far along they are on their journey because. You know, people do, you know, it's it's like I love sport and wherever I go in the world, I can, you know, even though the language is a bit broken, you can share the love of sport with someone. You say, mm-hmm. I love football. Who do you support? And suddenly your friends and yeah. cheese can be like that as well, because cheese is produced in so many countries in the world and it generally has a story behind it as well. And, uh, you know, it's creating those connections, like you said, and cheese can do that. It has the power to do that. And we really want to sort of build on that and uh, and see what we can so we can put together in terms of, a cheese community
1: brilliant I mean I think you know what's really nice about listening to Edward is that you know your your love of cheese your respect for the cheesemakers you know is so sort of central in a way to what you're doing um I mean it's really brilliant you know because here you know this is a business that's working it's making money but it's so, so got but you've got other values in it as well which I think is a very it's really sort of lovely to see actually it's, it's very it must be very you know exciting and inspiring for you and your team
3: too yeah, I mean, I, I, I always say to people, I, I get more more nervous meeting cheesemakers than I do pop stars, rock stars, sportsmen, <laughs> because I just hold them in such high regard. What they do is so incredible. And so it, it's, it's sort of a bit of an honour to be able to help in some way, to showcase their product, to reach new people. Um, you know, it's such a big part of what we do is obviously we love to send great cheese to existing cheese lovers. But but trying to get their product to people who hadn't maybe considered getting excited yeah. about the cheese industry is is also very exciting for me. And it so it's just and I you know I visit I visit all of our cheesemakers um, as often as I can. It's just incredible speaking to them. Cheese has such a history. It represents tradition, it represents obviously farming. And and I guess also talking about going, you know, circling back to what I said earlier about Online enabling you to communicate more about your brand and your values mm. and the cheesemakers. You know, there is, there is this kind of slightly false dialogue about, or, or certainly there's a perception of the dairy industry because of some large dairy, you know, not necessarily, yeah. certainly not the, the, the farmers and the cheesemakers we work with. And so learning their stories and hearing them talk, looking at what they're doing, how they farm, and then telling that story and representing the truth of these small farmers and cheesemakers is really, really important. It's so important I, for I us to do that. I think it's a
1: really good point because, you know, cheese, you know, I think the pandemic showed a lot of cheesemakers how important having a social media platform was, but a lot of them just mm. don't really have the time, you know, if they, it's their own, if they're farming and making cheese, they are so busy. Mm. Absolutely. And you know, and so actually it's in a way, you know, someone like Cheese Geek, who can do that. And communicate, you know, and to and to a big audience of subscribers, you know, that is a, it's brilliant, really, isn't it? So yeah, and I, yeah. I guess
3: in many ways you could just almost see us as an, you know, uh, an extension or or a, a, effectively a marketing or PR department of their yeah. operation. I mean, that's what we're here to do. We're we're obviously here to sell their cheese, but we're also here to, to to educate and con- communicate with the customer, and tell those stories that, like you rightly said. They really don't have the time. They are incredibly busy people. And um, it's nice that we can we can step in and do that and represent them in, in a way that they would want to be represented.
1: Well, it's brilliant. Well, Edward, it's been really, thank you for talking, so sort of lucid and illuminating. Um, and you sound like a really sort of happy man with a mission, actually, I would say, if I had to sum you up. So, uh, yeah. Well, I'm,
3: I'm also I'm also happy because my, my kids had go with cofili for breakfast. Uh, and that made me really happy that they enjoyed that. So um. oh, that's very good. That's
1: the result. Yes, it's funny because I'm, you know, I'm a food writer and my my son is very into food and cooking. And that was, you know, I obviously tried to get him interested in food. But there was a moment when he came to Kitchen and he just went over to the stove and. So sort of and he said well, what's cooking is turning down which is you know absolutely interesting how something was being made and I was like oh yes <laughs> I've, I've I've planted that love of food inside yeah. him <laughs> so
3: brilliant brilliant yeah. all right well,
1: well thank you so much you. edward for your time that was lovely take really care appreciate then. it cheers bye bye
0: to find out more about food fm and our content go to foodfmradio.com enhance your cheese board with peter's yard sourdough crackers this christmas available at waitrose Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon, Petersyard.com and Specialist Food Retailers.
1: Thank you so much for listening to A Slice of Cheese. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have enjoyed it, it would be lovely if you could rate us on wherever you've found this podcast. It will make such a difference to us. So I hope you'll enjoy us again. Thank you very much.